Looking for a way to keep your kids or grandkids entertained? Just tell your smart speaker to play Vision Kids Radio. Vision Kids! Problem solved. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Quite a, I think, engaging conversation coming today. One of those conversations where we'll talk about some trends and you might have your own perception of what's going on in your own community and be able to make a contribution. So get ready. We'll open our talkback lines shortly. You know, anyone with an ear to the ground, you might pick up that there has been a number of shifts, some of them quite dynamic shifts in Australia in recent years. And we're often talking about the bad things that are happening, but there are also some good things that are developing. Church leaders and pastors are genuinely desiring to work together and strive together for the welfare of their city. Our special guest today has more than 30 years of ministry experience and he says he has never seen such a strong sense of unity developing among different church leaders. He's noticing that across Australia, leaders and denominations are now open to and actively working together. This is evidenced in his own city of Brisbane, where he co-leads a collective of church leaders. The leaders gather together, learn together, pray together, and even break bread together regularly. Gary Rucci is part of the Acts Global Churches denomination. He and his wife Nikki lead River City Family Church at The Gap in Brisbane. Gary is co-leader of the Brisbane City Leaders Collective. He's co-leader of SEQ Long Lunch. And he's a team member with New Thing Oceania, Micro Movements and Neighbour, conducting audits in cities and regions that measure the contribution that churches are making to society. Gary Rucci, a special welcome along to 2020. Hey, Neil. Great to be with you. Gary, I've known you for a little while now, mm-hmm. and uh, and you have got a lot of strings to the bow and lots of different dimensions to the sorts of things that you are involved in. Give us a little bit of an in a nutshell who Gary Rucci is and a little bit of that history. I said you'd been a minister for 30 years. Give us a, a quick in a nutshell history. Um, just a follower of Jesus. Uh, saves, you know, gave my life to Christ. Back in the mid '80s, up in Townsville, with the amazing David and Mari Cartledge, and uh, for the first 21 years of my life, Neil never left Queensland. And then, uh, um, uh, in the next season of my life, found myself travelling all over the world as Nikki and I just wanted to pursue the call of God and be involved in what He was doing in various parts of the world. And I think uh, for us, it started as in youth work. We really had a passion just to help young people. Uh, that was back in the late '80s. And we were blessed to be involved in things like Youth Alive, uh, both nationally in Victoria and also in Queensland. And as I say, you just get older, right? (laughs) You get more experienced. And uh, we've just been blessed with some great experiences. We've worked with some of Australia's best leaders and some of Australia's largest churches. And um, we just really feel privileged that we've had that um, opportunity to be involved in in various shapes and sizes of churches. And I think collectively in these days, just trying to use all of those experiences um, to bring the unity and the, 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 the togetherness of the body of Christ. That's really what we're trying to do. Great words. Mm. Blessed to be involved with. Yes. Uh, you've got to be involved mm. and mm. some sense uh, roll up your sleeves. It's not always an unpleasant experience to be involved because 
you when you do get involved, uh, you you move into the things that you aspire to, the yeah. things that you are passionate about and you're involved in a lot of things not everybody has the capacity to be involved in a lot of things and sometimes people are spread too thinly yeah but getting involved blessed to be involved with something is something we all ought to be as aspiring to yeah the good thing neil with uh, the roles you rattled off before and it sounds like there's a heap going on and i'm a busy person but i've always been always had a high work ethic and i've always wanted to be busy as such but a lot of those things that you listed before are wheels within wheels they're all complementary roles. Um, the New Thing role, the movement, uh, Micro Movements Australia, the Neighbour role, the Brisbane City Leaders Collective stuff, they're all, they're all complementary roles. They all sort of flow together. It depends on what conversation you're moving into next when you're working with leaders and depending on what they're trying to do. Our real heart and passion is just to, in these seasons, in this season as I get older, is simply to walk alongside of leaders and be a blessing and be helpful where I can. Yeah, uh, It's one thing, isn't it, uh, for leaders to meet together, uh, get to know one another, and sometimes there's a process in that. Uh, I've noticed over the years too that sometimes some leaders get together, get to know their fellow ministers in the community, and then all of a sudden they're transferred and move on. Yeah. And so there's a, a little bit of a lack of that sort of depth yeah. that can come. But somehow or other, you've got to be able to get to know the people that you're working with in your community yes. long enough yes. for something of an action to happen more than just a friendship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, unity can never be for unity's sake. The goal of unity is not unity. The goal of unity is always mission. God always brings his people together for a reason, for a purpose. We see that throughout Scripture, right? Um, and it's true. Uh, there's something that's got to be said for longevity. You know, um, you know, there's some leaders uh, in some denominations who are transferred. They're moved on. It's the methodology they use within their denominations. I think something has to be said for longevity. When you look at some of the leaders in our city, uh, I'll mention Wayne Elkhorn, for example, who's been with the One Church for decades now. And understandably, with his gifting and with his leadership ability, he's able to build great rapport in the city, you know. And I think there's something got to be said for longevity. And he's not the only one. Obviously, there's many others as well. But um, it, it's what, what, what you said is true. It's, it's one thing to get to know your fellow ministers in the area. And I believe that's absolutely critical. That's part of the why we're, we're chatting today. But the, the overflow of that is them serving together for the welfare of their community and for the welfare of their city, the welfare of their region, and in the end, the welfare of the nation. Welfare of the city, uh, mm. welfare of the community. This is a very much a biblical, yes. uh, you know, a call to action, isn't it? Yes, it because is. Because we are looking out for the welfare of the people who live, not only our neighbours, but uh, those who are making up all of the social structure of our communities. And yeah. and they're being drawn in all sorts of different directions in this day and age. Yeah. Somehow or other, we've got to be able to raise our voice yes. and bring that unity together for the welfare of the city. Mm. This is where the challenge is. It's always been a contrary um, principle. Let me explain what I mean by that. Where we get the idea of the well, you know, serving together for the welfare of the city comes from Jeremiah 29, verse 7. Um, and when Jeremiah was prophesying this to the people of Israel, they were in captivity in Babylon, and uh, he was he was advocating for this for this welfare of the city uh, for forty years. He was an unpopular prophet. Um, prophets he existed. His contemporaries were Ezekiel and Daniel and others like that. But Hananiah in particular was prophesying a different story. Han- Hananiah was prophesying to the people of Israel that this. This exile, this, this, this domination of Babylonian rule over their lives would come to a quick end. God was going to turn up and he was going to destroy everybody and they were going to be back to Jerusalem within a couple of years. 
contrary to that, Jeremiah was saying, no, 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 God is with us, but he's here with us in exile. He's here with us in this in-between, this liminal space. We're not back in Jerusalem, but he wants us to stay here to live as God's people in a foreign land and to live out God's purposes in a foreign land. Therefore, we should build, we should marry, we should flourish, and we could we should pray together and seek the welfare of the city and bless the people of Babylon. So that's where it comes from. So it's always been a contrary idea. What happens, Neil, I think, is for many of us, we get so busy in our in our own churches, in our own ministries, in our own non-for-profit organizations, that we can't see beyond what we are actually doing and see the bigger picture of what God wants to do in a city. Just getting a bigger picture of some of the bad things that are happening, and we often find ourselves focusing on some of those on this program, talking about the politics and the ethics mm. and the and the changes that are happening, cultural revolution, sexual yes. revolution. We talk about these sorts of things. These are challenging, and mm. there is a sense, isn't there? Uh, you mentioned Jeremiah there, um, expecting to be an unpopular prophet. Mm. Uh, so when you do speak up now, when you do involve yourself with an organization, when you are involved in some sort of community action, you might not be seen by many to be doing something popular and you might not be getting a pat on the back from everyone. In fact, some people might be shouting abuse. Yeah. Uh, but there is a sense, isn't there, that, and I'll ask you about context here, from being in a situation where things are on a decline, perhaps morally, mm having a head-in-the-sand attitude uh, and this transition to being someone who's prepared to be the unpopular prophet. Mm. I wonder if we might be somewhere on a spectrum there. Um, you know, where do you think we might be? Somewhere, you know, just getting ready to stand up because our children and our grandchildren are the future and we've got to say something, otherwise their lives will be different. Uh, what are your thoughts about where we might sit? Great thoughts, Neil. Do we have a couple of days? <laughs> um, they're great topics. Look, um, there is there is definitely a, a, a growing concern among church people. And I think, listen, I've got a lot of family and friends who don't go to church who are saying the same thing, right? So they're not, they're not church people. They're not Christ followers as such. But they're desperately concerned for the future of their children. Um, there's some things that are, that, are, that are happening in our nation at the moment that are just not helpful to the next generation. And I think it, there is a time for us now as a, as a group of churches, not just one denomination or just not one particular church or one particular personality. And I say that, I say that deliberately and intentionally because this is where the unity piece comes in. I think if it's the collective voices of church, church leaders and denominational leaders and respected people bringing their, their voices together in, in, a, in, like in harmony, saying the same thing, um, it's got a lot. It's got a lot of power. It's got a lot of influence. Um, but rightly so, Neil. We should be. We should be contending for. If we look at the Nehemiah story with the rebuilding of the broken walls, I love it in Nehemiah four. Where he says, "Fight for your families." Is what he says, right? And I think there is there is a a, a, a there has to be a passion and a, a deep growing concern in all of us that we need to fight for our families and for our future generations. You know the. The reason why we're sitting here even today and talking about Christianity is because there has been this generational impact, 
right? Year after year, epoch after epoch. This is why we're here. Um, and so we have a responsibility to this generation and to the next generation and the next generation to actually speak up on some of these biblical and kingdom values. I really do believe that. We're going to continue our conversation and uh, about fighting for families, about what unity might mean. And we might be talking unity not just amongst the leaders of our churches in our community or the leaders of our denominations, but what does it mean when you get to be involved in a social program in your community and there are other denominations involved as well. I mean, is there something here that we can all talk about so far as the sort of growth we need to make a difference and see things change in the short, medium and longer term? Well, our special guest is Gary Rucci. Gary is our guest and we're going to be continuing talking about uh, leaders and unity our talkback line is open too now on 1-800-316-316. You might like to join in our conversation. You might have your own perspectives. Are you seeing in your own community where church leaders are unified, where there are events that are happening in your town or city where people are gathering together and there's just a freshness in the way that people relate to one another and even a aspiration for some action that will bring real welfare to your town or city. Gary's got a lot of strings to his bow. One of those is with an organisation that we've spoken to quite a number of times called Neighbour, N-A-Y-B-A. And this is an organisation that conducts audits in cities and in regions and they measure the contribution that churches are making to society. Gary, you've been involved now with Neighbour for quite some time and the significance of what's happening with that provides the evidence of what happens when churches work together. Yeah, they're, um, they're a great organisation. I'm proud to uh, be involved with them. They're originally called Cinnamon Network, come out of the UK. Uh, and were pioneered by a guy called Matt Bird, a friend of mine. Um, Nick Mackay is the current um, Australian director. Great organisation because their their goal really is to help churches transform communities. And so they do that in a few ways. Um, I think that the two key ways they do that, as you've already mentioned, is the what we call the faith action audit, where they go into a regional area and hopefully um, the audit serves as either a catalyst to bring the churches together or it complements the, the unity that's already happening among the group of churches and faith organizations in that particular area. And they, they measure, they assess what churches are contributing toward the welfare of the region. And it's multifaceted. The, quest, the questionnaire is long. The, 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 um, the analysis is quite in-depth. And it analyzes the, not only what is happening, but it analyzes and uh, puts dollar value on it. Then what happens is that when it creates a document with infographs and, and um, analyzes and raises the main issues that emerge from the research, they put it in a, in, a, in a document in such a way that literally the church becomes bilingual. So often the government doesn't understand church speak, right? We talk, we, call, we talk Christianese, we talk a different language, right? And the government doesn't really get that. We love to hear stories and testimonies. They love to look at numbers and dollars, right? So that what the audit does when you present it back to the civic community and to the government, the government get a real good picture of how the church is really helping them do their job, right, which is to help the local community, right? The other thing they do, which some people don't know, is they've taken the time to find best practice models 
of church transformation. These projects are church-led, church-designed. In other words, a local church come up with a really good idea on how to do something in the community. A few years later, they have mastered the model, so to speak. They've perfected the model, you know, worked out its bugs and what doesn't work, what does work, and someone else is using it. They've looked at that, what they call best practice, and they put that on a menu of options on their website and make them highly accessible so that a church that doesn't have a lot of volunteers, is not very big in size, and doesn't have you know, tens of thousands of dollars to spend on community transformation can access these particular projects, programs, um, and literally plug them into their local vision and be a blessing to the local community as well. It's a great organization. It really is. So you get a resource that yeah. is actually able to be used in every community yes. just because there's some research that's been done in one community. Now, there's been lots of communities that have had uh, one of these uh, audits, these community mm. audits. Give us an idea here. You've got a, a few towns and cities that have done this, uh, mm. and it really has brought churches together, and, and they've been able to to then say, wow, we we do, do actually make a significant impact. Yeah, there, I mean, there's the city of Illawarra. There's some things then towards Wollongong that have happened as well. There's plans for it to happen on the Gold Coast and Townsville and other places like that as well. Um, each, each one, Neil, has used the audit differently. Like I said before, so for some, the audit has been complementary to what they're already doing and has literally given that unity move, that local unity movement, a boost in their profile in the local area and their standing with civic and um, government um, leaders. In other areas, it served as a catalyst to bring those particular leaders together. Um, I mean, some of the things that I've written down here are about some of the existing unity movements and all of these groups are actually engaging with neighbour. Currently, as I'm talking, they're talking with neighbour right now about how they can be more engaged with their particular piece of audit research. So those unity movements, uh, when you say unity movement, uh, give us some insight here. What sort of things are you talking about? Okay, I mean, <laughs> movement's an interesting word, isn't it? Right? It is. It's, it's, it's like the word missional. It's a little bit overused and, and abused at times. Um, we see throughout history uh, that the Wesleyan Methodist was a genuine movement because it influenced society, law, education, so many things, right? Um, a lot of us like to we, – we aspire to movement because we all want to be involved in, in the move of God, right? We all aspire to that. But there is a groundswell of movement happening right across Australia. So, for example, let me give you a few highlights. You know, Let me just take a couple of minutes on this, right? I know we've got people listening from all over Australia. In Perth, for example, there is currently 30 what they call geo networks. There's 30 LGAs, local government authorities, that make up Perth. They're riding off the back of the, the, the fabulous work done probably two or three decades ago by Phil Baker um, with his Perth Together and Church Together uh, efforts in those days. But these, there's, 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 there's scores of leaders working together for the welfare of Perth with the, through those 30 geo networks. Uh, we've got people like Ian Shelton through Movement Australia. I mean, Ian Shelton is a, is a father in the faith to me and to many others. Uh, around the nation. Um, uh, he's got so much energy, even though he's in his late 70s these days. Uh, I think that's right, Ian. Forgive me if you're listening. <laughs> but he has so much energy, you know, for this particular... He's been, he's been advocating for church unity for 50 years. Look at the Gold Coast, Neil. So uh, the Commonwealth Games was two, uh, 2018. So two years before that, the local churches of the Gold Coast started to work together in anticipation that this was a great opportunity. The Commonwealth Games is coming to our city. Let's work together. Right, So they formed a thing which is now called City Impact. It represents most churches on the Gold Coast, 200 plus churches who are working together uh, to see uh, with government 
and business and church collaborations uh, to 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 see the welfare of the Gold Coast go better. I mean, how, for, I mean, let's just think about this. Let's go back ten years ago. Gold Coast was nicknamed the, the Sin City. It's been a, quite some time since I've heard that terminology, that that brand, that label, that that derogatory term used over the wonderful Gold Coast, right? And I think it's partly because of this unity movement. I really do. If we look at uh, Townsville, did you know, for example, that the combined churches of Townsville, which represents around about 70 churches, uh, along with the leadership of Anne Harley and others from the Uniting Church, do a thing called the Stable, right? It's, it's attended by 35,000 people in, in, in Townsville. It celebrates Christmas. It's just wonderful. My my, my unchurched family and friends who live in Townsville go to it every year. They absolutely love it. What about Together for Ride, New South Wales, where there's 13 churches, 13 that are signed up in an agreement, like a membership, like a coalition, to do something about the vertical villages in Ride, New South Wales. The Hunter region, Pray for Hunter. Again, this represents around about 40 churches under the the leadership of Rick Prosser, doing incredible, it's more than prayer. They're doing incredible things in the Hunter region, and the list goes on. Uh, The Whitehorse churches, uh, in Victoria, it's called Whitehorse, Whitehorse Churches Care. There's more than 70 churches working together for the welfare of Whitehorse. And then, of course, there's things happening here locally as well. And who brings all these leaders together? Is it a visionary? Is it somebody who just says, uh, hey, we're tired of being separate. Uh, we need to do something together. Uh, what sort of people or is there a particular personality that actually wants to bring people together. Some people will say it's some, some sort of conspiracy. You know, there's, there's, Someone's <laughs> going to say something that's not good about churches being in unity. But uh, who is it? Uh, what sort of personality brings uh, these leaders together? Neil, that's a great question. You know, Our default answer would be to say it's some charismatic individual with great vision and apostolic gifting. And that's, that they, they're always involved somewhere, right? But what we're seeing more and more and more, there is no one personality driving these things or one leadership gift. This is the beauty of these unity movements. It's a collaboration of leaders coming together. What I'll say they all hold in common is a few things. A genuine love for Jesus, a a passion for their city and the welfare of their city. There's always humility, right? And they're totally dissatisfied with the status quo. They're upset by what they see in their city. They, they see the pain, they hear the pain, they identify with the pain in their city or their town or their region, and it deeply affects them to the degree, Neil, that they will actually change their diaries, change their priorities in order to work together. It would be easy to say there's just one leader. And I mentioned, look, I didn't mention Ian Shelton before, but that's Movement Australia. They're not responsible for all of these movements. They're not the catalyst of all these movements. They're definitely walking alongside most of these things, like City to City Australia are as well. But... There is no one set personality, Neil. Yeah, this is this is the beauty of it. It really is the body of Christ in all of its complexity coming together, serving together for the welfare of the city. So we might say as we pray for the welfare of our city, something mm. of a divine level happens. Yes. God moves on the hearts of leaders and says, let's put those differences aside and get together around common purpose. And the upshot of what happens it comes to the good things that come from the welfare of or towards the welfare of the city. Uh, let me uh, ask you here, uh, Gary. Uh, sometimes we're talking about the leaders, uh, pastors and priests. And yes, people are sitting in the pews uh, on a Sunday, they might think that, of course, our leaders uh, should be meeting together and getting to know one another and being involved in all sorts of 
particular programs. But what about the ordinary person who might be thinking about a conversation like this today? We talk about pastors and leaders. What about the ordinary person doing something from their own perspective? Warming the pew on a Sunday, busy with everything, earning two incomes, raising yeah. kids. What are, you, what are your thoughts for that ordinary person? Life's busy, right? It is. <laughs> it's very busy. <laughs> I think that nothing changes unless someone makes that issue their priority. That's true of all of history, right? Um, I think Jesus' um, compelling directive that we would be one, just as he is one with the Father, as we see that prayer in John 17, should not just it's not directed just at his, at his apostles at the time, but it's directed to all of the body of Christ, all of us. I think all of us should be concerned that uh, whether unity is occurring or not. And it's so easy to put blinkers on when we're so busy, as you just described before, to just be concerned with the unity of our own church, right? And it would be great to think that every leader is, you know, concerned for unity with other leaders across their region or city, but that's not the truth. But we do see some of those things shifting. I do think that, in my opinion, everyone should be concerned for the welfare of the city, not just the leaders. Uh, so some people may feel like they can't make a difference. This is the issue. When we feel like we can't make a difference, we don't usually get involved. But I, I would put it to the listeners today that they really can make a difference and really be involved beyond what their pastor or the local leaders' fraternals might be or not doing. And that is, first of all, why not pray for the city? We're supposed to pray. When was the last time you prayed for your city? When was the last time you read the newspaper or heard the news at night or listened to this program and heard some news and it touched your heart so deeply that you just didn't dismiss it with a sense of despair, but you actually stopped for a moment what you were doing and prayed and intercede for your city and prayed around that issue and asked for God to intervene? Uh, That's where it starts for me. And I think that we're so obsessed with praying for our own needs rather than the needs of others or even the needs of our city. And so I think that there needs to be a shift in the way that we we pray. The second thing is that all of us are directed to love the Lord our God with all love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength. But we don't always do well at the second piece and love your neighbor as yourself. So I think the way we can change a city I think it's the axiom of mission. It's loving your neighbor. Imagine, Neil, if we all just loved our neighbor. Imagine if the entire world loved their neighbor. In other words, not just your physical neighbor, but those in proximity to you. Because the idea of neighbor in Scripture, there's someone, someone who happens to be there or someone who's passing by. It's the stranger who becomes your friend. Uh, lest we forget that every friend that we've got was first a stranger to us. All right? So if we just simply loved our neighbor, we could transform our city. So there's two practical ways. And the third way, and I know we're, I know we're busy, but that, that, that I think for most of us, we, if we were to re-examine our week, we might be able to find an hour or two where we could volunteer for an organization. They may not be a part of our denomination. They may not believe exactly what you believe about the Holy Spirit or about the Trinity or about you know, baptism in water or whatever it might be. But if they're doing a fantastic job among the homeless or alleviating poverty or helping families at risk or youth at risk or doing a soup kitchen or whatever it might be, why not get involved? Give your time, volunteer. These are just three practical ways, I believe, that the everyday Christ followers in the church, as busy as they might be, can actually make a big difference in our city. Some people have got time and wondering what to do with it, Uh, maybe putting off getting involved. Uh, Others 
and I think this is where I think your heartbeat is today, uh, reprioritizing because so many of us could make time to do something useful in our community if we reprioritized. Um, as you say, uh, who's got time? Uh, there's so many demands upon the ordinary individual, or ordinary family, uh, that somehow or other you've got to reprioritize. Just reprioritizing to get to church on Sunday is difficult <laughs> for some people, yeah. but somehow or other you've got to go beyond just getting to church on Sunday, haven't you? Yeah, look, again, reprioritization is a big issue. I don't think anything is reprioritized in your life unless you feel deeply passionate about something. So, for example, you know, the, 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 the classic is I'm too busy to go to the gym, right? But it's, one visit to the doctor and says you have to lose weight or whatever it might be can be like a wake-up call for us. Um, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be. We shouldn't leave it that long before we then reprioritize to go and change our diet or go to the gym or go for a walk if we can't go to the gym. So that Usually it, 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 there's some, there needs to be some sort of catalyst or what I would say dissatisfaction for us to actually then reprioritize. That's what I'm saying, Neil. At some point in time, as we're praying to God and praying for our city, this is where I go back to prayer again. When you're praying for your city, God who loves the city more than all of us will provoke us, challenge us, prod our hearts, cause something deep in our hearts for us to then make time for. Um, like I was saying before, you know, we can pay lip service to unity. For I, said this, I have this conversation with leaders all the time, Neil. Oh, yeah, I believe in the unity of the body of Christ. And, yeah, it's great, you know. But we have to move beyond lip service. I can't just say I believe in unity. I actually have to give some time and physically turn up to the gatherings, right? It's like saying I love you, but sometimes that love language is not enough. You have to do some actions. Faith without works is dead. I think we can say one thing, but we have to put our actions to it as well. And I think that applies to all of us, especially in the area of unity. What about discerning how the leader of your local church, and uh, just could be, let's just say, a smaller outback town. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes in outback towns, uh, the leaders know each other and and they are working together. But uh, but supposing you are in that outback town and uh, you're thinking about your pastor or your leaders getting together, somehow or other, my suspicion is that pastors and leaders stay at a talking level because they're not as confident that the people who are in their church will rise to an occasion once they start to sow a vision for something that could happen. So this is where, I guess, a conversation like this today, uh, for ordinary listeners, ordinary people who are sitting in their church, uh, maybe not as active as they ought to be, uh, this is the thing that says, listen for the cue from your pastor or your leaders mm. about how you might be able to transform your city, and when that opportunity comes, grab it with both hands. Yeah, some, look, some of the incredible things that have happened around uh, transformation and community transformation have been started by, I, I hesitate to use the word, just by ordinary everyday people, right? And that's not to say that anyone's just ordinary. I'm saying it's just people who are just going to church week after week. They love Jesus. They're following Christ. They're obeying his word. And God speaks to them about something. Instead of asking for permission, they've gone and had a go. <laughs> the old Australian adage, right, have a go, right? They've, they've just gone off and had a go. And God's blessed it because it was it was His idea, not their idea. This is why Neil, I think, as a and on a broader perspective as well, I think it's so important that leaders, when they gather together in unity, are not don't, don't cocoon themselves and isolate themselves. Let me explain what I mean by that. We're meant to work in in conjunction with and in collaboration with um, 
local government authorities, our, our local councillors, our local MPs, um, the social workers, the people who run in the community, the community uh, hubs, um, the local doctors. These people are really, in essence, advocating for the welfare of people. To not work with them doesn't make any sense. And we say, oh, well, you know, but they're not, they're not Christians. But, that, you know, discipleship starts with the first conversation. That's what we see in Scripture. It starts with the very first conversation. So I think it, it's, it's about working with people who are the, the key influencers in a town, in a region, in a city, the people who genuinely care. Uh, look, we can dismiss politicians and say, oh, they're, they're in it for themselves, right? That's, that's not true. That's a, that's a generalization. I think it's not. It's a little bit poor. I think I've met a lot of politicians who are not Christians, who actually love their city. They love their job. They have a sense of, they would say, they have a sense of calling. And we can say, oh, yeah, they get big wages. Yeah. Well, there's lots of people get paid big wages. You know, there's lots of people in my church that get paid good wages too, and your church as well. It's not about the wages. It's the heart. Some people feel genuinely called to their role. And when you look at their role and unpack it, it's about the welfare of the city. I think leaders have to work with them. And I think it's same with Christians in churches, you know, Listen to what your local MP is saying and then respond. If they're raising a need, why not get involved? Let's talk about your own local community. I mentioned in the introduction that you're based in Brisbane, in Queensland. And, uh, you know, I mentioned too we might follow up on what is an SEQ long lunch? Mm. Uh, I I was just thinking uh, as reflecting on long lunch. Long lunch sounds like a great idea for a fun time getting together with (laughs) friends. But when you're invited to a long lunch, uh, it's not just uh, the friendship uh, element that's important here because if you're invited to a long lunch, someone's calling you to action. Aren't they? Absolutely. Good question, Neil. Um, the Southeast Queensland Long Lunches were established by myself and Sue Baines from the Gold Coast and Ian Shelton and a few others as well. Um, but the, these days were the key three uh, drivers behind it. Um, the Southeast Queensland Long Lunch is a gathering of leaders who are catalyzing unity in the 16 LGAs, local government authorities, that make up Southeast Queensland. Um, so there's some debate around how many LGAs make up Southeast Queensland. Uh, some would say there's only 12. If we go as as high as the as the, the Sunshine Coast to the Gold Coast, out to the scenic rim, Toowoomba, include Sherberg, for example, and all the LGAs in between, there's actually about 16, right? And each one of those 16, L, 16 LGAs, from what we have seen, there is leaders trying to work together. Some have been working successfully together for a long time, as we just spoke about before, like the Gold Coast. There's some great things happening in the Sunshine Coast. We see a great history in Toowoomba going back 30 years um, with unity movements. Now, what the Southeast Queensland Long Lunch is designed to do is bring the, the key leaders from each of those 16 LGAs, not just church leaders, but non-for-profit leaders, business leaders, politicians as well, bring them together for a time of combined learning. Yes, we pray together, and yes, yes, there's a lot of food. We, it, the long lunch is a little bit dismissive. We only create one window for long lunch, but we, yep. we love to do hospitality. Um, but it's not just sitting around and, and just laughing and talking and having a good time, as good as that might be. We do pray together. We do collaborate. We learn from each other. We create an environment where we can learn from each other, and we try and bring someone into the room who has – experiences that we can learn from or have been working actively in the unity space for quite some time. So our next one is just next week, actually. Um, And Roger Sutton from Gather Momentum or Gather Movement UK is actually with us. He's on a Six Nation tour at the moment, and he'll actually be with us. And he's got some great things to pass on 
uh, to us. And that's that's what the Southeast Queensland Long Lunch is like a a gathering and a celebration of all the things that are happening across sixteen local government authorities in Southeast Queensland. And when you get together, the speaker that you have who's speaking into the issues of your town, your community, your city is usually a chosen speaker. It's not just uh, you're on a roster and it's your turn. You choose these speakers Mm. so that they are speaking into the issue so that there can be a creation of unity. There's a lot of of interesting and powerful things that have to happen around that because, as somebody says, you know, trying to get church leaders together, a little bit like herding cats. It can be. Uh, so, so you've got to be able to have that right, that right person to speak into your community, mm. and uh, with the right things to say that are going to touch the cord, uh, that is going to make a difference that brings everyone together. That's an important element: choosing yeah. the right speaker. Well, on this occasion, Roger doesn't come as an expert on things regarding Southeast Queensland. He's from he's from England, right? We have found the genius is in the room, right? The genius in the room. Collab- when you work collaboratively with leaders. And if we are from our local government area, if we are genuinely concerned for the welfare of our city and regions, then we know what's going on. We should know what's going on. When we come together, there is this beautiful collaborative learning that takes place, Neil, where, look, there's always these common issues that across – we're in southeast Queensland, right? There's always commonality of issues. Domestic violence is one. You know, youth justice is another one, right? Youth crime. Uh, we know they're the ones that are screaming at us at the moment, right? We see that, right? Drug use, drug abuse. Um, but the, the, the person who comes to actually add value to our gathering is someone who can steer the conversation strategically, helping us move beyond semantics, helping us move beyond aspirational thinking, helping us move beyond prayer, and moving to a place where we'll put real strategies in place, real actions in place where we can work together. And they have to be tailored to each LGA. That is true. Roger, on this occasion, he will help us do that because that's what he's been doing in the UK. You know, when you're getting a group of leaders together, and you're determining to work for the welfare of the city, and that might even be hand-in-hand with local politicians, uh, with councillors, civic leaders. What happens, do you think, in the heart of those politicians, doesn't matter what flavour, or those councillors, civic leaders, when they know that the churches are with them on the initiatives that they want to implement? Is there something special that happens in those leaders, Absolutely. those politicians. They're surprised. They're blessed. They, don't, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't use the word blessed, I guess, but they're surprised. You know, time and time again we've heard this story. The local MP or the local politician doesn't know who to call in what church if they wanted to get help for a particular family. Like, Say it was a, a, a immigration, migrant families moving into a particular area. They generally don't know who to call. If the churches are there to help, they wouldn't know who to call. When you have a unity gathering... That is that is that is known. They have someone to call, knowing that they're not calling one church and in that process upsetting another church, right? Or calling one denomination upsetting another denomination. They're actually speaking to a group of people who've already made the agreement to work together around a particular issue. And in, in the case of uh, migrant families, for example, they can then ask that group of churches, "In what way could you help?" So, what do we see? We see that they're genuine. They're genuinely touched by seeing the church come together in unity. Because our message for too long, Neil, has been division, not unity. There's forty-three thousand Christian denominations in the world, 
Anyone can right now at home, just Google it, right? You'll find. Now, that number keeps on moving, by the way. Last time I Googled it, it was 41. Ten years ago, when I Googled it, it was 33. We're at 43,000. Christian denomin not not religions, Christian denominations. So we're no <laughs> it's, it's laughable, right? We're known for our disunity, not for our unity. But Jesus' prayer is for us to be unified. Go back to John 17 again, Neil. He said, I pray that all of them may be one, just as I and the Father are one, I and him and him and me. And then it goes on and says, so that the world will believe that you sent me. Right? Unity and revival, unity and reformation are indivisible. There's no dichotomy between the two. The precursor to unity, the pre, sorry, the precursor to revival or reformation has to be unity. And like I said before, unity is not just for unity's sake, right? So going back to what you said before with the politicians or business people who may not know Christ the way that you and I do, they are genuinely touched and their eyes are opened to the possibilities of having a group of people who love the city as much as they do. Now, we should love the city more than them, but what I'm saying is I'm advocating before, I find a lot of them do love the city. Well, you've got connections all over the nation through the organizations that you are a part of, Gary Rucci. Let me ask you, how do people connect with you or how do they connect with, uh, you know, Neighbor, N-A-Y-B-A? I guess you'll just Google Neighbor. What's the best way for people to connect with you and uh, perhaps in your region in southeast Queensland or someone listening to us from another state or another territory around Australia connecting with you uh, through your church website? Um, they can connect with me directly by email. I don't mind giving you my email if you if you want it. I don't mind Gary with one R because I'm not Harry, Larry, or Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, yeah, that's I'm good. Gary with one R at River City. One word: rivercity.org.au. That is the best way to get a hold of me. Um, let me just uh, highlight there: the Brisbane City Leaders Collective has only been going for a couple of years and has started off quite embryonic, and only just now in the last few months are we starting to, I think, get some rhythm to what we're doing. The Brisbane City Leaders Collective is, let me explain what that is, that is our group of leaders that are focusing on Brisbane, the Brisbane LGA, which is 1.269 million, right? It's one of the biggest LGAs. I think it's the biggest LGA in Australia. It's a big task in front of us. But we just started to get some traction just in the last six to nine months in particular. So as we move into 2024, we will be putting some more structure around what that looks like and so there will be a maybe a landing page or whatever and some sort of contact number that will go with that but for right now i'm very happy for anyone listening right now who wants to engage more with what's happening in our city or what's happening around australia to just email me directly i don't have a pa right i answer my email by myself i still i'm a little bit old school with that um so gary at rivercity.org.au happy to take any inquiries whatsoever There you go. There's a challenge for Gary. Keep him busy the rest of the day (laughs) responding to your emails because something like this, as we talk about a positive trend uh, that leaders are working together in unity, perhaps as never before, and maybe it's some of the negative circumstances that are gripping the nation right now that might be an inspiration for leaders to say, this is a time we need to work together. But it's not just the leaders It's you and I. It's those who are sitting in church beside you on Sunday, how they are motivated and inspired to do something for the welfare of their city. So connect with Gary Rucci. Gary is part of the Acts Global Churches denomination. He and his wife, Nikki, they lead River City Family Church 
at the Gap in Brisbane. But as you can hear, Gary's got so many other wonderful network contacts uh, that will take us to anywhere in Australia. Why don't you send him an email and ask him how your community might be able to benefit from some of the great wisdom that you've heard on this conversation today? Gary at rivercity.org.au. Gary Rucci, thanks so much for taking some time to share your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's been fantastic to come in. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.